if you snack on something that really makes you feel good, you can stick with that. But if let's just say that I think what you aim for is wrapping up eating by eight. If most people are going to bed around 10-ish, that gives your body, by the time you break that fast, you've got a good 12 hours or more, depending on when you start. Hi everyone, and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career at Integrative Medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where we're determined to bring you back to your superpower self. And I spend a lot of time talking about food, right? What's healthy, what's not healthy. But today we want to dive into the connection between your food and your mood. Many people don't realize that how they are eating is impacting how they're feeling. So at the end of this episode, I hope that you'll walk away with maybe three foods that you really need to keep your mood nice and stable or what the traps are that might be making you feel maybe not 100%. To help us with that conversation, I am so excited to introduce you to certified nutritionist, Amy Fox. She's on a mission to educate everyone about how our food choices impact our health and our happiness. Amy holds a master's of science in food and nutrition sciences and is a certified functional food professional and founder of the Food and Mood Lab. All right, Amy, help us with this, right? Yeah. We know mental health uh, rates are increasing across all demographics. We know our children and our youth are really suffering. You know, you see something in the news every day. We know that anxiety mm -hmm. is the number one mental health disorder amongst women. So while we can debate all the different factors at play, we want to talk about something that's very reasonable to control and not super expensive. And that's the way we are nurturing and feeding ourselves. And so talk to us a little bit about how you entered this space and, you know, why you're so passionate about this particular connection between healthy eating and our health. Yeah, I am super passionate about it. So obviously the name of my company, the Food and Mood Lab, I, um, you know, I'm I'm a mom. I'm also a working mom and um, a wife and a friend. And I play all these roles and wear so many different hats. I just found myself a few years ago just feeling tired of being tired and just this constant feeling of overwhelm. And I felt like I was always juggling something. And um, I started having this conversation. I started the conversation with a few other women and I was overwhelmed by how many people felt the same way I felt, even though maybe on the outside or in their social media feeds, I had this perception mm -hmm. of something different. And so um, years ago, I decided to formalize. Um, I've always been passionate about food and and wellness and decided to formalize um, my interest with uh, some degrees and, and certification. And uh, this is my way of serving and giving back. I want to help um, women and men understand that you have a choice and there's all this noise and so much yeah. content that I think we've really swung the other way where now we have I'm this overwhelming amount of content where, I mean, you can literally look at, you can get in, if you're scrolling your social media, you might see that 
meat is good for you. Dairy's bad for you. I mean, it's just, there's this constant demonizing and portraying different foods as good and bad. And I think people are confused. It's interesting that you say that, like, you know, I've been in the integrative and the functional space for about 15 years or so. And we went from no information or minimal information, trying to figure it out, trying to put the pieces together on our own to now this explosion of information. And in some ways they both have really problematic pieces to it, right? Now with the explosion, people I feel like are just as concerned, as confused as they were when I started, you know, talking about some of these ideas and concepts. I'm curious, like, what do men and women tell you? What are they telling you? You know, what are some of the statements that have been, you know, recurrent or repetitive that, you know, that others listening today might really resonate with? Yeah. And I, and I've, uh, I'm a listener of your podcast and I think we are so on the same page. Um, this comment will probably resonate with you, but one of the most overwhelming, uh, topics that I continually hear about is question about what's the best diet. And there, there's this, um, need. I honestly think there's this need for something, uh, a specific pill, magic answer, a solution. And, and people are just moved away from this, some common sense thinking. I'm sure there, there certainly, there's an understanding about some of the common sense principles because the women that I'm dealing with are, are educated. And even if they're educated just by, they understand the options by listening and looking on the internet, but they still seek an answer or something that it's almost as though there's a sense, if I'm not restricting myself, if you don't give me a specific formula, then it means I'm not doing, I, I don't have the right answer. And so the questions that I usually get are, what should I be eating? What's the best diet? And so that in particular, uh, that's the question. And that usually, that usually lights me up, Dr. Taz. So I know so many folks are asking these questions and they're curious and they're super confused about how to personalize their diet to them. And one of the places maybe that might be helpful for folks is to identify kind of their weak points. And for a lot of people, it's mood, right? It's how they're feeling as they're moving to the day. I'm, I see this, you know, in our own home, I see it in practice. And so how can people maybe connect the dots themselves without you, without me, that food might be contributing to how they're feeling, whether it's just kind of this malaise and not having a lot of get up and go to starting to get super dark yeah. to then having anxiety, depression, and all these other things. What are some things that people could really watch out for and be aware of? Yeah, I think a couple of things. I can answer that question in a few ways, but I think overall, I mean, there's, um, I mean, I think people can relate to just feeling hungover with food or drink yeah. and, or having some anxiety or anxiety. And I think one of the overarching principles that's important to me that I share with uh, my listeners and my um, clients is just to really lean into uh, and be curious. Like when you, when you have those moments where you don't feel good, that that's like a bit, that's a billboard for you to understand. Okay. And, and start to think through what did I eat and drink? Oops. Can you hear me still? Oh, yeah. Just You're so okay, here. great. Um, and so I think there's this power of curiosity because we have to understand these patterns of how we how we think because how our, our thoughts become actions. So I think overall, just you know, anytime that there's a situation where you're feeling, yeah, feeling good. 
just making sure you start to recognize what those patterns are. But I know probably like you, I love to have practical advice and practical actions that I can be taking. And I think one of them that is a super important um, doable strategy is to really rethink breakfast as a starting point. And if we think about mm-hmm. what we're eating for breakfast, most people, that's a, that's a tough one, I think, sometimes for people, especially I know me as a mom, I literally just faced this this morning. I have a one of my kids, I have three boys, they're a year apart, they're all teens. And um, one of mine is just not a good eater. And he doesn't have a big appetite. He could use to gain a few pounds. And so even being a certified nutritionist, my thinking goes out the door because about what might be good or bad. I just want them to eat, right? Um, that's it, It's just important to see that some, there's some food going into his belly. But having just understanding whether it's for our, our own selves or our children, just understanding that the moment we start to put food in our mouth in the beginning of the day sets the tone for how we're going to feel three, four, five hours. And so just understanding the power of that choice and making choices that where you're always leading with protein, especially in the morning and leading mm-hmm. and making protein the star. I'm sure that's not new for you. Um, right. I mean, that we're, we want to choose protein um, always, in, in my opinion, as the center of a meal and snack, because when we have protein, um, it does, it's doing a number of things. But one of the most important things, if we're pairing that with some good carbs, we're setting ourselves up to have steady energy. And that's really key because I, you know, hours later in the afternoon, if you ever experience those lows, those are times when we start to make choices that may not be as healthy. And so it starts in the morning. I agree with that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I'm, and one of the things I think that many people don't realize is that that sort of undercurrent of your blood sugar, whatever your blood sugar is doing is connected to your mood, you know? So there's so many players into mood, right? But when we're thinking about how we can use food as a tool to regulate our mood, you know, managing your blood sugar is a big part of it. So we'll see people get super anxious. I see, I'm sure you see this too, you know, patients getting really anxious and they don't know why, but it's a blood sugar dip Mm -hmm. or it's a blood sugar spike or people getting super dark and not understanding it's related to kind of what's happening with their blood sugar overall, or they're simply not getting, you know, kind of the right nutrients. So when you think of sort of this protein heavy morning, which I agree with, by the way, and you've probably heard me say that like a million times and I live by it. If I don't get it, then I myself don't feel a hundred percent, but what are some examples? Like my go-to is always, you know, the smoothie, right. And everyone will debate the smoothie. They're like, you're getting processed protein. And I'm like, I get it. I'm busy. And sometimes I honestly don't feel like eating. I have that issue that a lot of women have, and that could be from stress. It could be from many other things, or it could just be time. And the smoothie works for me and it kind of keeps me stable for four or five hours, gets me to about 12 or one o'clock, you know, sometimes even to two o'clock before I'm even thinking about food, you know? So what are some of your favorite ways of sort of loading up in the morning so that we are powered up, yeah. you know, for the rest of our day? Yeah. And again, I'm speaking from experience. I, my, I just fed my, my son who usually eats a really bad breakfast. We're trying hard to overhaul, but we have to pick our, I have to pick my battles. I'm sure a lot of you. Right. right. All of us. Yeah. And so, I mean, Greek yogurt is a, is a go-to for, it's just a grab and go type of option. And with a big asterisk there, we have to make sure that we, uh, you know, you're looking at the, the yogurts that have um, no or very low, 
low, meaning like under three or four grams of added sugar. But uh, mm. there's so many great brands and there's brands that are sweetened, but also ha are sweetened with natural fruit. So tons of options that are inexpensive and you can doctor those suckers up with some fruit and, um, and so many other things. I put a dollop of whipped cream. Yeah, that's not 100% healthy, but we're not, in my opinion, Dr. Taz, like I, I don't push perfection. I push I, right. you know, those ins and outs that we're seeing all over social media. Out is 100%, yeah. in is, in my opinion, 75% all the time. So as long yeah. as we're making choices, and when I put a dollop of whipped cream on some yogurt, my children think it's dessert. Uh, so mm. and it's nothing. So we, um, so you Greek yogurt with some fruit, um, some uh, some sausage, some turkey sausage, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. eggs, and eggs are to me one of the best proteins out there because you can quickly whip up a frittata or an omelet or your own egg white bites, hard boiled eggs that stay forever. You know, you don't have yeah. meal prepped per se. So, um, right. and there's a lot of ways you can take some uh, oatmeal and you can add some protein. If you're used to making smoothies, there's overnight oats, which are a great grab and go option. And you can retexturize or if if you're if you're an oats fan with protein you could uh, make those in whether it's into balls or muffins or there's a lot of fun ways um, that you can you can do that and nowadays if you have the right machines you can make an ice cream i know yeah. right so you can do can you i've always been curious and i've done this myself a couple of times um not as much now that the kids are older but um, can you add protein powders to your classic baked goods? Like yeah. if you're making banana bread or if you're making pumpkin bread, can you add a couple of scoops of protein powder into yes. it? And does it count as protein? Well, I think it does. And I think, you know, the comment that you made about someone talking about your smoothie and adding maybe a protein powder. I mean, I think we, I think this is part of what's contributing to some of the confusion. I mean, we just zoom out. I mean, you're getting protein. If, if the objective is to eat a higher protein diet because we know all of those benefits um, that are out there, and I mean, we're to me, we have to focus on the um, the rocks, the the rocks that help yeah. us every day to be healthy. And to me, I'm not going to focus on the that it has to be 100 percent organic or the best. I, I'm I'm looking to help um, the majority of people understand foundational principles that help amp up, turn the dial on how you feel. And um, choosing something that's processed like cereal or cereal that has a lot of added sugar or a baked good over a smoothie with some protein powder is a hundred times better. And so right. for me, right. I, I, I cook with whey protein powder because I like it and I, I have a cleaner whey, I have a pretty clean whey protein powder and I love it. I add it absolutely to baked goods and for sure in my book, it counts as as protein. And those are the hacks, honestly, if you, that, that make it easy, like you've said, you're not hungry, but you want to have good energy for interviews and to, yeah. for your day. So, um, if that's part of your personalized plan, your individual plan that keeps you happy and focused, then it works. And I think that's, you know, a pretty important principle for people to walk away. If it makes you feel good, it, 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 that that's that's working for you, and so I think that's 
Oh my gosh. I, I think that's an incredible barometer of how your diet and exercise or whatever it is that you're doing for your health and your wellness is, is that the right plan for you? Because I think if you are engaging in behaviors that are easy for you to implement, you're full of energy. So it's worth it, right? Like we all go work out because it's worth what we see on the other end of that, or we feel better on the other end of that. But if you're doing things that don't make you feel very good or just feel like they're too cumbersome, then intuitively that's probably not the right move for you. And that's one thing many of you out there listening can use as a tool to maybe be like, Hey, is this, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, how do I feel? Do I feel good? I love that, that you said that. Do I feel good? Do I feel happy when I do these things? And I think the reason I personally keep going back to the smoothie is I feel amazing when I do the smoothie, like amazing. Like I feel like I can do anything. So I think that's a lot of why, you know, a a great way or a great hack of trying to assess without lab tests and data and all these other things of just kind of, Hey, are you on the right track or not? Do you feel good? You know, uh, what about sleep? How does food, cause a part of like mood, cause we're focused on food and mood here. Part of our mood is very connected to our sleep, right? If we're not sleeping deeply and consistently, then we're going to be more prone to anxiety. We're more prone to depression. We have that classic brain fog, all these different things. You know, what are things that folks can do to improve sleep when it comes to their food and their food choices? I'm so glad you brought this up because for me, I'm what's out for me is resolutions and in our like quarterly yeah. healthy habits. And I am, I've got two, but one of them for me personally is to be like supremely focused on my sleep uh, because it's like, I, I fall into that category. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of women who are just busy, I think our minds get going. And so I just think there's a lot of contributors that, that impact our sleep. So yeah, as it relates to nutrition and just overall some sleep, um, ideas to improve sleep. I think for sure, um, stopping eating after dinner is a really Mm -hmm. great practice, maybe by seven or eight. And it's a good practice for a couple of reasons. One, you know, it gives our body a a break. And so when your body is using up the energy to process food, so if you're eating later at night, then what happens is your body can't focus on the healing and the repairing everybody, every, our bodies do that at night. That's how we wake. When we wake up feeling refreshed, part of the reason is our bodies had, has had a chance to heal and repair. There's constantly cells that are getting turned over, but it's a priority for your body to digest food. So if you're eating later at night, then it has to prioritize food and you may not feel as rested. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when you have, when you're eating late at night, chances are those aren't the best choices. They might be higher in sugar or they may have like just maybe just more processed nature to the food and right. increase inflammation. It can throw off your blood sugar. All of that relates, all of that contributes to sleep. So I just, I ba- I start by um, just stopping eating after dinner and you just make sure that you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I just make sure I'm, I'm full at dinner. I have a combination, always a combination of protein and, um, and fibrous carbs. So carbs that have a minimum of three grams or, of fiber or higher. And I'm usually just full if I, if I've eaten enough and I don't necessarily want, I'm not hungry. That's not why I want food. So what's that gap that people should be thinking about between 
dinner and sleep to maybe ensure that they're getting a decent night's sleep? So to me, I think if you if if you've eaten a big enough dinner is to um, uh, avoid snacking at night. But some people like to snack. And again, I, if you go back to the principle we were talking about, if you snack on something that really makes you feel good, you can stick with that. But if let's just say that I think what you aim for is wrapping up eating by eight. If most people are going to bed around 10-ish, that gives your body, by the time you break that fast, you've got a good 12 hours or more, depending on when you start. And that um, that that's a that's an ample break for your body to have rested and for to contribute to, to you having good sleep. So about two or three hours between dinner and bedtime, is that ideal? I would say a little bit longer. I would say at least. Really? Yeah, I do. Wow. Yeah. So that is fundamentally the problem for so many of us, right? Because people are coming home late, they're eating late, yeah. and they're trying to get their sleep. So what happened? What are you doing that sort of scenario? Are you, let's say, you know, you do get home at like eight or nine o'clock at night, whether it's a athlete or whether it's you from work or a project and you haven't eaten, what's the best strategy? Is it do you eat a full dinner? Do you eat a light snack and then try to go to bed? What should somebody, or do you just not eat? Are we just over consuming and that food is not really necessary? I think you have to listen to your body. I mean, I, you know, if you're hungry or if you, I love the example you shared an athlete, I, my kids fall into that category. And so mm -hmm. I think it's all about like the combination of, of having some protein and having some healthier carbs and just staying away from the, the crap for lack of a better expression. I think that that First and foremost, because if you're you've got a, a a child or you yourself just get home late, you don't want to go to bed hungry because then you're going to be up. You're going to create right. a different problem. So just making right. those choices to avoid less processed foods, and um, you know another strategy is err on the side if you're of having a later of ha maybe your later your afternoon snack or lunch is later and bigger, so that mm. when you eat. Uh, that last um, meal, it could be a lighter snack. Um, but generally, I don't usually hear about people having sleep issues related to food if they're making good food choices. Healthy choices. It's mostly. Right? Now, let, it's, let's connect that back to alcohol, yes. right? So we've got a lot of dry January going on right now. We've got more awareness around alcohol mm -hmm. and its impact, not just on you know, how we feel in our health, but sleep and so much more, you know, what's your stance on the role of alcohol when it comes to mood and what does everybody need to be thinking about? Yeah, well, it's definitely near and dear to my heart. I'm a certified, uh, I call it a sober curious coach. And so, huh. you know, alcohol, it, you look at the World Health Organization, uh, their site, that there's no amount of alcohol that is good for us. So, I call right. alcohol your best frenemy. It is the master of deception, for sure. Because we all mm -hmm. think, first of all, there's this lure uh, that it's sophisticated. It's, it's what right. takes you from stressed to relaxed, that nightcap or that. And that is such malarkey. That's not, it is, it, mm -hmm. it, we are being deceived. It's the ritual that we're craving and it is a it is one of the most highly addictive substances. So it's not anybody's fault. It's the substance. Right. So just it's, it's important to be aware. And I think um, going back to what I said earlier, being curious about if you're not feeling well or you want to feel better, one of the first places I always start 
we start with processed foods, but we all we go back to how much alcohol is is being had and incorporated in the diet. And nine times out of ten, that one change it doesn't necessarily, by the way, have to be cold turkey either, just because that's just not realistic. So maybe it's a damp January, or we're just getting curious about limiting or maybe lightening up instead of weekend drinking. It's um, a glass of wine or for one night. So just taking some steps to go that route. And I, I do think that if you're curious and you have never experimented with limiting or removing alcohol, it's worth a try because it's, you, you talk about superwoman power. It is a superpower, right? It's a, a complete, yeah. it is a complete game changer on life. And I call myself sober curious. I have rooms dedicated to wine. I've gone on trips dedicated to wine. So I'm speaking from a place of uh, just authenticity here. Well, I I couldn't agree with you more. The couple of times I don't really drink. And if I have it every now and then, I feel terrible the next day. And I don't know how people have that as a regular habit. So you know, I am, I'm one for limiting, yeah. celebrating every now and then, but it shouldn't be a daily habit or a weekly habit. It should be really reserved for special occasions. But I think it's going to take a while until our culture shifts to really, you know, coming in line with that. So a lot of times I'll fake drink. I'm just being honest with you guys that, that a lot of times you'll see me holding a drink, but it's actually not a drink. My husband and I have this hack where it's sparkling water and cranberry juice. So it looks like I'm drinking. Yeah. So everybody leaves me alone and is not tr constantly trying to give me a drink at social occasions. So um, unfortunately, that's what we're doing until we all kind of can just relax and be like, we don't have to drink to have a good time. What, a good one time of the other mocktails in other ways. that you might. Yes, mocktails. Yeah. Try it next time. I, lo yeah. I love your, your, I, that's one of my go-to mocktails, but uh, as an alternative, take uh, your, it's all about the glass. It's about the ritual. Yes. And, but smash a couple raspberries and some citrus, some like lime or lemon, and, and add in your favorite, um, you know, sparkling water. And there's just, there's that combination of raspberry and lime for me. Uh, it, oh, like pretty, it's yeah. got the same color as that cranberry, but it's, uh, you know, add in some fruit in there too. Oh, I love that hack. All right, let's do, I can't believe we're almost out of time, but let's do, um, because I think this is more, and let's do a quick rapid fire yes. on a couple of things. I'm going to do the first question and just like blurt yeah. out real quickly, like three or four things that come to your mind. So the first question I have is what are like the three common internet myths that you wish would just go away? Let's see, carbs are bad for you. Fruit is too high in sugar, and mm. um, you have to do cardio to lose weight. I know that's not food, but it's also just wellness. I like, okay, that's great. We'll take those. Okay, let's do one more. We're talking about food and your mood. What are the three foods you would take out that are contributing to the anxiety and the depression that we're seeing today? Alcohol in any form, first and foremost. Wow. Absolutely. I think um, the second are all of the, the fake sugar foods. So for example, if you're really trying to cut back on sugar or cut back on, for whatever reason, you want to eat healthier, but you go to the route of buying the sugars that have like the sugar alcohol, so the fake sugar, it makes you feel like crap. It hurts your stomach. Mm -hmm. Have the thing. 
have the cookie, enjoy the cookie. And, uh, and cause usually what ends up happening is people eat a lot of the fake, uh, fake baked good or fake, what have you, the keto branded, anything in those bags that have those 100% have fake sugar and either you don't end up feeling good. You're either going to spend a lot of money or, um, but just, it is about feeling good, right? If you really want to have an ice cream cone with your kid, who wants to miss out on that experience? Have the ice cream right. cone and then just right. make the next best healthy choice. All right, last one, and then we'll try to round it up for everybody. Three foods, similar question, but flipping it. Three foods that absolutely need to be in your diet for a healthy, balanced mood. Protein, 100%. All sorts of lean proteins. I think um, fibrous carbs, so anything that's three grams of fiber or more. And I think avocado is amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out today to join us. And for everybody who's watching and listening to this episode of Superwoman Wellness, we started the episode saying we're going to give you three or four things you can take away to connect your mood with food and vice versa. And hopefully you've got them. I know them. I can spit them right back out. Getting that protein in first thing in the morning and not being so picky that you make it difficult, making sure you're getting at least a three to four hour gap between your last meal and sleep so that you get a better night's sleep. And then really cutting down on alcohol. That seems to be a big one across the board if we're trying to regulate our mood. So hopefully this episode was helpful. If you are suffering from anxiety or depression or anything in between, but remember, we do have a lot of control and power over a lot of this stuff when we take control of little things like how we feed ourselves and how we nurture ourselves. So thank you for joining me for this episode of Superwoman Wellness. Amy, thank you. Where can people reach you and find you if they want to learn more? Yeah, so I have a lot of great information out there on the website, foodandmoodlab.com. And uh, and I have a, a cafe that a virtual cafe that's reached recently launched where I made it super affordable to be part of a community um, that's all focused on um, feeling good with nutrition, exercise, and mindset. So check it out. I love that. I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much. And for everybody else, we'll see you next time. 